0: Right here in chapter 4 of Matthew's Gospel, we see Jesus take to Galilee and proclaim, the kingdom of heaven has come near. That's it. That's the entirety of Jesus' first public proclamation, according to Matthew. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Let us understand something quite clearly this morning, dear family. These were not frivolous words. No, in proclaiming such a thing, Jesus was quite intentionally channeling and exciting the long-held hope of the Jewish people. You see, for at least eight centuries now, the Jewish people had been looking forward longingly to the coming day when God would transform the brokenness of the world and usher in a new age where war and oppression and injustice would be no more, where death itself would be no more. For eight centuries now, We heard the nascent cries of this hope in our Old Testament lesson this morning. With the Old Testament prophet Isaiah imagining a day when all people and nations would stream to Jerusalem, handing over their swords and their spears, and inviting Israel's God to transform them into plowshares and pruning hooks. In days to come, Isaiah said, Casting this vision. And days to come. Yes, from that first hopeful vision of Isaiah. And down through the ensuing centuries. That same hope only continued to grow. And become further and further enriched. Among the Jewish community. And it was a hope, we must understand, that was predicated on what they trusted to be a divinely revealed promise. A promise that while the world was unquestionably ruptured and broken now, a day was coming when God would put right all that was broken and would transform that which is into that which it could and ought to be. So for eight centuries, this hope, which was most commonly referred to as either the coming kingdom of God or the coming kingdom of heaven, for eight centuries now, this hope had been building among Jesus' people. So hear me say again, these are far from frivolous words When Jesus opens his mouth and with his very first public proclamation says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Far from frivolous. Dear family, there is incredible power in a vision of what things could one day be like. There is incredible power in the belief that God truly does intend to straighten all that is crooked in this world and bring forth justice on behalf of all that has gone so wildly wrong. There is incredible power in the belief that tragedy and pain and suffering and hardship are not in the end for naught but that they will, in fact, be carried up by and divinely transformed into something heartbreakingly beautiful. There is incredible power in the belief that one day death will have no further dominion over humanity and that come that day God, in the form of Jesus, will dwell with us forevermore. There is, dear family, power, incredible power in this belief. For you see, this is not just to be indulging in speculative fancy or to be playing theological word games. Because if we really believe that such a restoration and transformation of things is possible, if we really do believe that God is powerful enough and indeed intends to perform a transformative work such as this, then the hope for the reality of that coming day necessarily inspires us to begin trying to live now in anticipation of how we believe it will be then. By which I mean, if we really do believe that such a day is coming, if we really think that it's more than just a pretty idea, but is instead a coming state of things, then we will necessarily be compelled to work backward from that image, from that vision. Doing things like standing up for the marginalized and the oppressed now, and advocating for fairer and more equitable policies and systems in this world. Doing things like attending to the sick and the hurting and the grieving and the lonely. Now, doing things like these and so many more, on and on and on and on. For you see, if we really do believe that such a day is coming, then we will necessarily be inspired by that vision and by that hope to begin trying to live now as we know God intends for us to live then. If we really believe it, it compels us necessarily. And that, dear family, is faith. That is the substance of things hoped for. That is the evidence of things unseen. Lives that attempt to make visible And in our best and finest and most spirit-led moments do indeed make visible the coming kingdom of God here now in anticipation of how it will be then. Yes, dear family, there is incredible power in this belief. But that said, it is important to note how great of a risk such a belief is, just as it is important to note how unreasonable, given the brute reality of human history, how unreasonable such a belief actually is articulating this as eloquently as anyone I've ever heard, Cormac McCarthy, one of the greatest American novelists of the last 50 years, says, and I quote, the notion that the species can be improved in some way, that everyone could live in harmony, is a really dangerous idea. Those afflicted with this notion are the first ones to give up their souls, their freedom. Your desire that it be that way will enslave you. Your desire that it be that way, he writes, will enslave you. A desire for something like God's kingdom come, he is therefore saying, will enslave us. In his Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, The Road, McCarthy's protagonist further elaborates on this belief, saying to his son, and again I quote, When your dreams are of some other world that never was, or some world that never will be, then you will have given up. Do you understand? And you can't give up. I won't let you. The danger, he says, of believing in such a vision. ...of such a coming state of things. You will have just given up. And I can't let you do that, he says. Can't let you believe. Yes, it is important that we understand that the central hope that originated in the voice of the prophet Isaiah and that sustained and inspired the Jewish community for centuries on end, and that in the fullness of time made up the entire substance of Jesus of Nazareth's first public proclamation. It is important that we understand how unreasonable this hope actually is, and how on account of that fact, it seems not only incredible to a great many people, but in fact downright dangerous. And let us be fair, dear family, and let us take inventory. Two thousand years since Christ Jesus was hung on a tree and war continues unabated and corruption and oppression continue apace, And the poor still get stepped on and the weak get exploited. And no matter how intensely we love people and give ourselves to them still, people die and we bury them and we grieve no different than did Mary the mother of Jesus. And such realities it is therefore quite reasonable to believe, give the lie to the dream, to the hope of the coming kingdom of God. Right? The Apostle Paul was aware of this. Yes, Paul, who was himself no stranger to suffering and hardship. Paul knew well how such realities as these stand in stark tension with the hoped-for kingdom of God. Which is why he wrote to the Romans in response to such things. That suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And that hope, Paul writes, does not and will not disappoint us. It's not that we deny suffering as Christians or attempt to diminish or look away from hardship or oppression or injustice. Paul was saying it's instead that even amid our suffering and in the face of hardship and oppression, our hope for and our anticipation of the coming kingdom only grows stronger. And why does it only grow stronger according to Paul? Here's why. Because if we really believe in this hope, Paul is saying, not just cast it as a pretty picture, but if we really believe in this hope, then we are not only looking forward to it, Paul is saying, but we are then actively engaged in trying to live in light of it. We are daily trying to, in small local ways, make real the dream now. If we really believe it, Paul is saying, we are striving daily with our lives to provide little foretastes of it now. We are daily attempting to show here now, Paul is saying, how it will be Then and such living, Paul is saying, propelled by such hope mysteriously and counterintuitively compounds our hope and increases our passion for living. It is strength for today because of bright hope for tomorrow. For you see, dear family, the dream is not dangerous. The dream is the very thing that drives us on. The dream is the very thing that animates and inspires. The dream does not and will not disappoint. Cormac McCarthy is wrong. He's a brilliant writer, but he is wrong. Instead, Langston Hughes is right. We must hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. point of all of this being Jesus knew what he was doing when he made this simple statement the entire content of his first public proclamation Jesus knew that in saying that in him the kingdom of God had come near, that he was enlivening people's hope and preparing them for the way that his life, death, and resurrection would give shape to that hope. In direct contrast to McCarthy's character, Jesus was in effect saying when your dreams are of some other world that is not now but that will someday be, you are doing the very opposite of giving up. You are instead coming more fully alive. For the dream of that world, he is saying, is the very thing that inspires life in the present. And thus, if you give up on that world, your concern for this world will soon enough desiccate and die along with it. Because you won't care. And I won't. Jesus is in effect saying with these words, let that happen. As your pastor, I won't let that happen either. Which is why I am bold to say unto you from this pulpit, 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth walked the shores of Galilee proclaiming that the kingdom of God had come near. And this day I proclaim to you that I believe that he was right and that his resurrection from the dead validates it And that his ascension to the Father anticipates it. And that his return in the fullness of time will consummate it. And that until then we are therefore to live in light of that coming dream now. Not only saying with our lips, but in faith. Demonstrating as best we can through the Spirit with our lives. God's kingdom come. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. And I'll now be down front to receive any who this day